Hey, thanks for listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. And today we have a great guest. Law enforcement leadership calls for strong, passionate, and courageous individuals who protect the public while standing up for their troops as well. Hopefully, we have all had the opportunity to serve under such inspirational leaders who sometimes stand for their own beliefs in spite of outside criticism. Today, I'm lucky to speak with one of our courageous leaders. She's retired Chief Carmen Best. And as communities throughout America grapple with how to better serve and protect their citizens while addressing racism and revamping policy procedures, Chief Best was seen as a champion and leader of reforms. She regularly met with the community leaders and achieved a decreasing major crime rate in 2019 in Seattle. Chief Carmen Best is a U.S. Army veteran and graduate of Western Illinois University and Northeastern University. She is the first African-American woman to hold the top policing job in Seattle, Washington, and Chief Carmen Best served with the Seattle Police Department for 28 years. Promoted in 2018 to Chief of Police, she called it a dream job, a dream of a lifetime, managing approximately 2,000 sworn and civilian employees. Best is the recent author of Back, Black in Blue, Lessons on Leadership, Breaking Barriers, and Racial Reconciliation from HarperCollins. In this memoir, Chief Best shares the leadership lessons she learned as the city's first Black woman police chief and through some of the most critical events in policing history that I'm sure many of us have seen in the media. Welcome to Policing Matters, Chief Carmen Best. Well, thank you so much. That's such a lovely introduction. I am more than honored to be here on your show. And so um, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. And thanks for your service in the military. Really appreciate it. We met in Orlando, Florida. I don't know if you recall this past summer, you were there as a keynote speaker to women's leaders in law enforcement during a luncheon there. What was your message to them? Yeah, it was really great to be there. Uh, I love being around uh, law enforcement and cops. And so these are all women leaders within their own organizations. And we really chatted about some of the prevailing issues around diversity and inclusion, of course, and making sure that we uh, add more women to the ranks because we feel that a department that better reflects uh, the community is, can operate even better. Uh, and then we talked about just leadership principles, many of which I talk about in my book, you know, uh, Black and Blue, how to be resilient, uh, how to keep uh, setting goals and going for your goals, making sure that you have mentors and sponsors and allies to support you, and that as you move up, you lift up, and that you become a mentor and an ally and a sponsor for those who come uh, behind you. And so we really talked about having a real structured um, plan on how to move forward if that's what you want to do or how to be successful where you are within your own organization and find job satisfaction. That's great. Those are great messages. Being a leader of an organization as you were in Seattle, it's a balancing act, of course, between the public uh, your own personnel, your own line officers, those in city government and the media. How did you balance among all those different priorities? 
Yeah, well, you, there are so many stakeholders uh, involved in public safety and in law enforcement and what we do every day as officers, you know, put on their uniforms and go out and really do a, a very uh, strenuous and difficult job of uh, policing in the city. So um, the balance is making sure that you use as much of your history and information as possible so that the decisions that you're making, your deployments, and other issues um, make the most sense and they're most the most efficient. So, and there are a lot of things to balance, particularly when you're running an organization, but certainly there's no level of a policing organization in which people aren't uh, multitasking and figuring out how to do things uh, most efficiently. So definitely wanna make sure that we uh, adhere to our community policing principles and values, making sure that we engage with the people that we're serving, but also making sure that we're taking care of all the cops too. Uh, it's not a one-way street. You know, both sides uh, need to be, um, you know, need to be looked after, so to speak, and, and engaged in, um, in their safety. So we worked really hard to make sure that we not only made relationships and collaboration with community, community members, and that included, you know, uh, non-governmental uh, agencies and community-based organizations, activists in some cases. And then we also made sure we were taking care of the cops, uh, that they had a good training and that they made, that we had good wellness um, programs and effect for them as well. So it, it's a lot. And of course, uh, you know, when you're dealing with the media and elected, that throws in a whole nother element uh, of challenge. But um, I think it's very important that, you know, somebody take the lead and we all work, um, you know, collaboratively uh, to make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes we'll watch the media, we'll see news events where there's just chaos. You know, you have um, groups taking over cities, taking over blocks. And we're speaking in pretty general terms now. But, you know, when these things happen in some cities, oftentimes it's it's a one sided report. We only hear from one side of uh, the issue. And, uh, you know, I've particularly paid attention to you being on the forefront and going before your own city council, the mayor and the media to stand up for your cops and, and the safety of your cops. Um, that takes some intestinal fortitude. And, um, you know, some may call them career killers, or, or at least, you know, you you balance yourself on the on the line of criticism directly on you personally. And you you experience that. What would you do it again like that? You know, I, I think about that when I go back and do it any differently. And I don't know how that I could do any differently, to be honest with you. I was at a point where I had really worked hard. I uh, was trying to get the information, the message out, wanting to work with uh, the council and others. But at some point, you know, James, you just, there's a line that you cannot cross. I mean, I'm not, I was not going to, layoff officers uh, in the manner in which they were asking me to do. I just couldn't do that. I couldn't have that be a part of my legacy. So you have to stick with your convictions. Uh, and I mean, I actually talk about that in Black and Blue, you know, really, you know, knowing that you have to stick with your convictions and really becoming a police chief and recognizing that um, even though I love the job, I don't love the job more than I love my own core values and I'm not going to compromise them. So uh, in, in Seattle in particular, when I was there, uh, they were looking to defund the police department initially by 50% and then by 100 officers. Uh, and they wanted, you know, that 
for us would mean the last in first out, which meant a lot of the new hires that we had done so much work with, um, minority and women people would be um, laid off. And then uh, they had the, they decided that they would have me just lay them off out of order, which essentially meant that if you weren't a minority or, or a woman, that you would get laid off. And you know, you can't do that. I don't think that's legal, but I just knew it was time for me to, to uh, you know, to throw, uh, to call it quits, sorry, throw my towel in and maybe get a fresh set of eyes on it. Because I, you know, at some point it's just something you really cannot do in good conscience. Yeah, well, that's that's admirable that you took those stands in explaining things and and how things deteriorate when you defund or reduce the your personnel ranks. How much did you use data in in taking a good look at crime in your city and using that to explain to the public or your electeds or the media? Did you use data? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've all talked about the keywords of data driven. But at these, in this day and age, people really are data-driven. Um, all the statistics, sorry, statistics that you can come up with, you should be looking at everything and uh, providing that information uh, to be transparent. We had dashboards created where people can log in uh, based on their own neighborhood and address and look and see what types of crimes were occurring, what responses were happening from the police department, what people identified as the most prevalent crimes and, and what we were doing about it and also look at you know the responses. So we wanted to make sure that people had as much information available to them uh, to utilize on their own so they don't have to call in to the police department or run to a community meeting, they actually can look at it on their own. Uh, and it was close to as real time as possible. Additionally, it helped us with uh, making sure we can make appropriate deployment decisions uh, and look at where crime trends were uh, cropping up and occurring very quickly. And I think most agencies now uh, utilize data quite a bit um, for a number and a host of issues because it really gives you a bird's eye view very quickly uh, of where you might see some gaps or some aberrations from what you normally have. And you can focus on that. Yeah, for sure. And you have to know what's going on in your city to be able to do that. And and I'm sure you did. So switching a little bit from hard data to your own personality, your own anecdotal observations, uh, what were the greatest challenges to you personally? Yeah, well, you know, obviously uh, a job like um, running an organization, I don't care how big or small it is, you're going to have to dedicate a lot of time to it. So just to be honest, just getting asleep <laughs> was, a, was a challenge, you know, because you're working a lot, right? You know, the phone's always on, you're always paying attention. So just, you know, unwinding enough to get you know, decent rest so that you're high functioning um, could be a challenge, uh, you know, personally. Um, and then with the organization, like any other place, there are just myriad challenges to, to work through. I will tell you, um, a few years ago, I went to the Harvard Public Safety Summit. They invite chiefs from all over the country, large agencies, midsize and small, to talk about and to discuss issues, uh, and often overlapping issues that people are working on. And before you get there, they do a survey for each chief and you write down all the things that you're working on and you rank them and you talk about um, these different issues and you send them in. And then when when they get them there, they do an analysis on all of it and they put up 
I'm calling it an idea bubble, but I'm not sure there's probably a better term for it, but they put up all the information and the most prevalent uh, themes and issues are darker and larger and the, and the less prevalent, you know, are smaller in the background. So you can see sort of what things, um, you know, as a group, we found most important. And I was looking at it and you, you'd see the things that you expect to see, domestic violence and budgets and, um, you know, crime and gangs and all of those things were all in, within that, that all chiefs were worried about. But larger than anything and darker than anything in that idea bubble was politics. And I found that vastly interesting that of all the things all the chiefs are dealing with, you know, terminations and unions and rules and regulations and uh, community things and um, issues of disparity and all of that, politics was the most difficult thing that chiefs across the country identified as a problem or, you know, a, a area of challenge for everybody, put it that way. So um, the job, while it's difficult, the most um uh, the most challenging part is really dealing with electeds, you know, whether you have a you know, mayor or a city manager or a strong council or alderman or whatever you have, mm-hmm. make sure that you're able to, you know, address all of that in a way that you can move things forward can be really a challenge. And I think if you look around the country uh, over the last year and a half, it was particularly challenging for a lot of major city chiefs, uh, and many of them uh, are not there anymore. Yeah, no, this has been a big, um, I know PERF, uh, Chuck Wexler has addressed it throughout the year that this is probably the biggest year when a lot of most chiefs left their agencies uh, and sheriffs too. Well, sheriffs are elected, so they're in a better seat, I think. But, um, you know, chiefs, it's kind of tenuous sometimes. I'd like to get into your book in a minute. But first, I'd like to take a, a moment to thank our sponsor. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's policeone, the number one, dot com forward slash registration. And we're back and we're speaking with retired chief and army veteran, Carmen Best. Uh, So great to have you on the show. In your new book, Black and Blue, Lessons on Leadership, Breaking Barriers and Racial Reconciliation, there seems to be some clear messages right there in the title. What do you have to say to anybody who's thinking about a career in law enforcement now? Uh, what's your recommendation? Yeah, well, a lot of things. One, you know, I talk about this, you know, and I mentioned it earlier, the mentors and sponsors and allies really build relationships with people who have your best interest at heart, you know, and take good advice um, from folks who've been there, who may have walked through the door that you're about to walk through, and they may have something good to share with you. Uh, No one knows everything and no one is successful on their own. I make it a point to say that in black and blue. Uh, And really the title does reflect 
exactly what is in the book. You know, my own personal um, lessons on leadership, experiences that I've had and had to um, deal with and address, how I did it well or not well in some cases, but lessons learned, right? And then there's a whole issue about breaking barriers and, um, you know, and really looking at racial reconciliation and how all of us have a role in that, you know, by acknowledging the history, but not dwelling on it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we have there's disparity and there's issues that come up. But, you know, we don't have to dwell on that and dwell on the past. Let's look at, you know, ways to move things forward and to push our professional job. And it's an honorable profession. It's an honorable profession. I have nothing but the highest um, level of respect and regard for men and women who put on a uniform every day and go out and face the public uh, in very unknown circumstances. Even the psychological issue of just to go out the door, you're putting on a bulletproof that vest. If that doesn't say something, you know what? You know what right. I'm doing that. So I think it's really important that we, you know, yeah, knowledge where we have some gaps and things we can improve upon, but also we should feel very proud of the profession that we're in and the work that we're doing. And sometimes the politics and the political bent um, can sway people a little, um, but I don't believe that that's long term because ultimately people realize that we don't have as good or as healthy of a society if we don't have um, you know, public safety and law enforcement people responding to calls for service and doing all the myriad things that they do. That's that's so great and so encouraging to hear you say. I heard uh, Chuck Ramsey say it. I you know I talked to Bill Bratton. He said the same thing. And I said I would sign up again for the the career. It was it was a great job, best job I ever had. And now uh, we're talking about 30 by 30 nationwide, about encouraging more women, minorities into law enforcement. Do you have a particular message for women or for black and brown men and women with anything you want to say to them uh, in particular about joining right now in, in the times that we're experiencing? Yeah, well, when I talked about it being an honorable prof profession and a job for everyone, it really is. I think often some some of the deterrents are um, because there is so much discussion about you know race and racial issues that can be a deterrent to people of color. But really, um, everybody needs to be engaged, right? Everybody needs to be involved in law enforcement and public safety is, is everyone's issue. And for women, uh, the same thing. Some of the mystique or myth around policing, uh, you know, there's a lot more um, situations in which we use our verbal skills, our compassion, our ability to de-escalate situations way more than our brawn. And, and, you know, sometimes you do have to get into it. <laughs> it happens. I've had to do it myself. Right. But, you know, that's far less than the times that people are out there really helping others in bad situations, mm -hmm. whether they're, you know, suspect or victim or what have you, you know, we police officers are that, um, sort of are the last um, persons in the white hat coming through and helping. When other systems have failed and many of them have and still have a lot of work to do, it's the cops that come in and handle it. When people are mentally ill or addicted or family issues, you know, you would like to see others being able to catch those um, issues further upstream. But if they don't, you know, the cops are there. We show up and we do the work every single time. That's great. I, 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 I totally hear you on that. So we're wrapping up. I'd like to ask you just a couple more uh, things. We're talking about um, current law enforcement issues, 
What's the biggest threat? What do you see as the biggest threat to law enforcement today? Gosh, you know, James, there are so many, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things that can, you know, right now um, I talked about the politics, you know, that that can always be a deterrent. Um, you know, the 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 job market right now um, is where one where there's lots of jobs out there. And so people have, uh, you know, alternative choices. So this job really is a calling. So making sure that we can actually fill the ranks appropriately, get the right level of staffing that we need and the right people on board, that's going to be a challenge uh, here on out. And that's not just uh, true for policing. That's true for a whole host of careers. So we really need to be competitive uh, in getting our message out about the benefits, um, the tangible and intangible uh, benefits of being a police officer and what that can add uh, to a person to a person's life. Because, um, you know, the, the shifts are hard and the work is hard, but it's also very rewarding in a way that's hard to describe. You know what I mean? But we got to get that information out there so that people want to come into the profession and they want to respect uh, what officers are doing. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last question. Okay. What are your future plans? There's uh, some calling for you to jump back into the public safety arena. I'd love to see it been almost a year, I guess, since you left Seattle. Uh, any interest in that? Yeah, well, it's been just over a year. And so I spent that time, you know, I wrote the book, as you know, Black and Blue, you know, lessons on leadership, breaking barriers and racial reconciliation. I have been doing some speaking and some contributor work for one of the cable networks. So I've stayed close to the profession in many ways. I still am an active member of the uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police. I'm not ruling anything out. Um, you know, I've just, you know, it could go a lot of different ways. Um, there's, a, you know, a couple of agencies that um, have reached out. And so, you know, things to consider. Uh, I don't know yet. You'll have to have me back on and then we'll talk about uh, where I am in, a, in another year from now or whatever. <laughs> well, that, hey, that's a deal. I'm, I'm inking you in right now. Hey, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time. Uh, and thank you for your service uh, in both the military and in law enforcement. And keep keep the contributions coming. Thank you. Thank you so much, James, for having me. And, and as well, thank you for your service. Much appreciated. Thanks. I appreciate it. You can find the Black and Blue Lessons on Leadership, Breaking Barriers and Racial Reconciliation from HarperCollins. I'm sure you can find it anywhere you get your books. And to our listeners, thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, let me know what you think. Who do you want to hear from? Leaders like Chief Carmen Best. Uh, we've had some great uh, personalities on the show, some great issues to talk about. And we're going to be doing our year-end wrap-up uh, soon. So if you're enjoying the show, check in, subscribe regularly on Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and drop us a line at policingmatters at Policing Matters at police1.com. Policing Matters at police1.com. We would love to hear from you. All right. Be careful out there. Protect yourselves, your partner. Uh, take good care of yourselves and stay safe. I'm Jim Dudley. <laughs>